Oh, nothing. There we go. All right, all you chatty, happy people. Grab some food and have a seat. We're going to get cracking. Come on in and settle down. Do you guys get good, like, donut holes or something? You get good donut holes? Oh, sausage? What are we feeding you? Man, it's like full service, you know? It's nuts. Come on in. Hey, everybody. That'd be so exciting. Boots and scopes. All right. Hey, so uh, this morning we're going to do something a little bit different that I'm super excited about. You're in for a treat. But before we start with the treat, just want to remind you. Just want to remind you. That wasn't picking up anything. Just want to remind. Can we make that louder so I don't have to eat this thing? You're going to have to eat this, Becky. You're like right there. So... One of the things we've been doing all summer long is preparing you guys for confirmation. That confirmation service is going to be October 17th. And uh, when we gather that Sunday morning, Bishop Steve Breedlove will be here and Quig, of course, will be here. And it'll be an opportunity for you to make a public profession of faith and lock it in. and Come forward and be prayed for by the bishops and uh, just be confirmed in your relationship with Jesus. But we need to know that you would like to participate in that if you've never done that. And so... You can either go to our website, chsroanoke.com slash confirmation, or you can, you can send a text uh, with the word confirmation to the number we use for everything, which is on, it's, uh, it's 540-251-2200. We use it for everything, 540-251-2200, text the word confirmation, and that way you can register and let us know that you want to be part of that on October 17th. There will also be a meeting that the, the Saturday before that Sunday, the day before that Sunday. And we'd love to, let, we just want to know who wants to come and be part of that. And we hope that you'll participate. So bear in mind, that's what we've been prepping for. It's almost upon us, but we need you to register before next Sunday if you want to do that. Okay? So today, I'm going to sit down with my wife, Kelly, for the first time ever in Sunday school. And we are going to enjoy, along with you, hearing from Will and Becky. Will is our current youth pastor here at Holy Spirit. Becky formerly worked with him in that before they started having babies. And together, they're getting ready to leave home and friends and everything they have here and move to the other side of the world because Jesus deserves to be praised by people in every corner, every country, every continent of the world. And so we asked them to come up and give us a, what is the story? What are they doing? I don't even know exactly what they're going to say, but we're so excited about what God is doing in their life, calling them to take the gospel to the nations, to people that don't have anywhere near the opportunities that we do. We love them and we honor them and we want you guys to have a chance to hear from them as they talk about taking the gospel to Cambodia. So with that, I give you Will and Becky. All right. Okay. Can you hear me? No. It's not working. Mine's working. Is mine working? There we are. Can you hear me now? Great. Okay. Awesome. Becky's working. She's the best. Um, so uh, we're so excited to share. Tim, Tim approached me with this idea a few weeks ago. And uh, so how about you get your downstairs Sunday school and come upstairs and uh, he said, the breakfast isn't as good, but still, like, you get a chance to share about Cambodia with everybody. So we're really excited to get a chance to share with you guys about what God has laid on our hearts. Um, and our goal with this today isn't just to say, like, just look at what Will and Becky are doing. Um, our goal is that, is that leaving here, you wouldn't just be thinking about us, but you'd be thinking about what are the little steps and the little doors that God's walking, that God's, God's opening for, for you to walk through. Um, we really feel like this process, it, like moving to Cambodia sounds really crazy, but it really was just a series of little decisions that we made and just stepping out in faith and saying, okay, God, what now? Okay, what now? And listening to him. So um, 
that's the goal for today is to get a better idea of all of us that are listeners to the Holy Spirit. So let me pray, and then we'll, we'll launch into it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for sending your Son to preach peace to those who are near and those who are far off. And um, we pray that you can give us us your heart for the nations and for those who don't know you. We pray that um, as a result of this morning that more people can come to know you and praise you because you are so worth it, worthy of the honor and glory. We pray that um, you can speak through Beth and I this morning, that would give all of us ears to hear and not just that. Amen. Okie dokie. So I got my clicker, my magic clicker. Um, so uh, Becky is going to, oh no, I'm sorry, the first thing we're going to talk about is this. When you think about sharing the gospel with the nations, what, what comes to mind? What or who comes to mind? It could be like scripture or missionaries, you know. When you think of um, going to the, the nations to share the gospel, what images come to mind? What people come to mind? What scripture? What do you all think? Just let's, the Apostle Paul, okay? Yeah, one of the, 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 the apostles went around planting churches. In different parts of um, of the world at that time. Yeah, what else? The Great Commission. Yeah, where's the Great Commission again? Where was that found? Matthew 28, right? Where does it say? Go. That's right. Go, go therefore and um, make disciples of all nations. All nations. Okay, what else? Oh, think of us. <laughs> about us. Okay, yes. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, let me summarize that. That's, that's awesome. So, yeah, yeah, I'm going to summarize that. So, um, basically, she said that when she was in eighth grade, her best friend parents were on a furlough, just like a break from missionary work in America. But it wasn't really a break because they were still on mission just where they lived. So either whether they were in, what, 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 state, what country was it? Oh, Cameroon. Whether they're in Cameroon translating the Bible, whether they were in America, they're always on mission. And I love that image. That's great. Yes, that's the ends of the earth. And, and the, the, the guy they found across the Sea of Galilee was pretty, a pretty sketchy dude, right? I've heard you talk about him before. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, what else? Yes. Oh, whoa. Missionaries to Mormons. Yeah, so they saw the, the, the opportunity that God gave them, and one of them was to say, hey, there are lots of people in America who are believing something that's not true, and, and um, Jesus wants their hearts too. So they went after the Mormons in America. That's great. A couple more? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so she said that Anglican Church, the church body that we're a part of, used to be called AMIA, which is the African Commission in America. Yes, sir. 
I'm sorry, Anglican mission uh, in America. I'm thinking Craig. That's what bishops are good for. But anyway, but, e- but e- e- either way, it was the Africans coming to um, America to establish a solid gospel presence and obedience to the Bible. Yeah. So the mission doesn't have to be <laughs> where can Americans go, but it's um, where other people are coming, going as well. Um, and that's actually a recent phenomenon in global missions is that it used to be from like these like hot spots to everybody everywhere else. And now it's that like Africans are sending missionaries and Chinese are sending missionaries. Um, Chinese people will be sending more missionaries than America pretty soon is what the, the stats say, believe it or not. Yeah. Okay. Anybody, anyone else? Yes. Yes, sir. Yeah, because you served there in Zaire and in Congo. Yes. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that's where your heart goes when you hear the word missions. That's great. Okay, maybe one more. Yes, ma'am. That's a great story. So let me summarize that. That's awesome. So she said that um, when her friend went to Uganda, she felt like uh, this man, woman, who was it? Yeah, this woman was was actually she was the most one that was most impacted <laughs> by the gospel when she went to Uganda, and then also through her, the people who supported her were also impacted, because uh, like Paul says, they're 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 partners in the mission. Yeah, that's great. Okay, and you you have one more. Or maybe, yes, that's great. Yeah, maybe I can help. Yeah. I mean, that's what the Bible says, right? Go, therefore, to all the nations, right? That's awesome. Good word. Um, okay. So um, we, you want to say anything else about this? You good? Okay. So um, uh, so uh, we sat down with the Bible this past week, and we said, what's a good passage that summarizes, like, our heart for missions? And we looked through a lot because there's so much in there. It's on, like, on, like, every page. But one passage that came to mind, uh, one of my favorite passages about going to all the nations, is in, uh, found in Isaiah 49. So check it out. So you can turn there or look up on the screen. I'm going to ask some people to be, or someone to be brave and read this in a second. Um, and while you're summing up the courage, I'll just talk for a second. So this is the, the second servant song. Sam loves the servant songs. I feel like it's like all he talks about, servant song, servant <laughs> So you guys have probably talked about this before here at some point with Tim, uh, maybe multiple times. And so this is, a, this is one of my favorite passages about going to all the world. I'll explain why in a moment. Um, can someone um, be brave and read it so loud? Yes, ma'am. So you have to keep going. <laughs> we're going. We're going to verse six. I'm so sorry. 
say um, the Lord of the Lord after I read. <laughs> okay, so that's great. Thank you. Um, okay, so um, real quick, I just want to like, touch on this like a, like a stone in the water. But what, um, so who is the light to the nations in this passage? Jesus. Yeah, we're in church. You have to say that, right? Yeah, but, but really, like, I think that's, we can definitely see this is fulfilled in Jesus. Um, is there a step before Jesus, I wonder? Yes, that's Isaiah saying it. Um, okay, so check it out. Um, he said to me, you are my servant, Israel. Israel is supposed to light the nations, and how they do, thumbs down, right? Um, terrible. And so, and so um, eventually God sends his son to be the true light to the nations, right? But here's the question. Um, does it stop with, with Jesus? Is he, how do you know it doesn't stop with Jesus? Oh, yeah, he did say that. You're light of the world. Yeah, that's, that's great. And there's, a, there's another really, really key point, too. Um, did you know that this verse is like, at first it's about Israel, and then it's about the servant. But it's also, um, gets uh, the Apostle Paul applies it to himself. Did y'all know that? Um, this is amazing. So look, I'm, I'm not going to, you don't have to turn there real quick, but look, Acts 13.47 um, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna have to like do like one little verse. But basically, Paul's mad at the Jews because they keep on rejecting his message, and he said, "For so the Lord commanded us, saying, I have made you a light to the nations, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth.'" And so, the Apostle Paul can look at this passage and say, "Oh my, like that's me." I think we can apply the same principle to us too, that God has sent Jesus. To be the light to the nations, and then His Spirit now empowers us to go forth as well, and bring the nations to Him. So, um, what we're going to be talking about really is 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 that like yearning in our hearts to be the light to the nations, and it really is um, the light to the nations sounds like a grand thing because it is, but for us it really began in little steps we walked through, little like doors that God opened one step at a time. Um, and so Becky is going to share about kind of the, the first step that we took. And again, it felt like a very small step at the time. Um, so Becky, you got it? There we go. All right. Um, I don't like this one. Here, just hold on a sec. Okay. So we're going to talk about China. This is Will and I's first time like posting and switching off back and forth. So bear with us. We're trying to learn. Um, so like Will said, one small step at a time. Um, that's us when we were babies six years ago. Um, we got engaged. We were at JMU. We got engaged. And so we're sitting there on our computer. We're like, how are we going to work? We were planning on being English teachers at the time. Um, and so we started off like, okay, kind of close to family. And then it, it got a little crazier. We're like, what about overseas? And then it got really crazy. And we're like, what about China? Um, and weirdly, neither of us were like pushing back on it. Like, yeah, what about China? Okay. Um, and so we spent time praying about it. Um, and I would say that is like the first open door or small step was just like, where do you want us, God? You know, like um, trying not to be so tight-fisted with our time and our career and our future that it's like, I have a plan. I'm not going to steer away from the plan. So that was the first posture, I would say. It's just like, where do you want us, God? Like, where where can we make an impact? Where where do you want us to be? Um, and so, <laughs> I, 
the way our personalities work, I was like, we're going to China after like five minutes. And Will was like, let's pray and plan and talk to some other people. I'm like, okay, fine, we'll do that. But we ended up going, so, you know. Um, <laughs> um, it was such a sweet experience. And as I think you had said, like, it did so much more for us than we could ever do for the people in China. It, it, it shifted um, our hearts toward a people group that are unlike ourselves. Um, so, yeah, it just taught us so much. So I'm going to share one quick story where God kind of put on my heart a love for the people of China. Um, I was riding on the bus there. We lived in Baoding, which is like a small city of 10 million in China. Um, and I'm riding on the bus, and I'm just looking out. And, like, so far I'm pretty overwhelmed. The food is different. The language is different. There's so much smog and pollution. I look out the window. And um, there's so many people. Like, there's so many people. And we're like, and we don't know Jesus. And we're all on the bus. And um, for the first time, it wasn't like a mission trip kind of thing. It was like, I heard clearly, not like God's audible voice, but I heard the passage from Matthew that was like, Jesus looked at the crowd and had compassion on them because they were helpless and Hopefully this isn't going to be the whole time. I'm going to rein it in. Okay. <laughs> and, and that was so true. Like, it just hit me on the bus of, like, oh, they, they don't know me. They're, they're helpless. They're, they're running around, like, thinking I'm helping them. Um, and so I don't know if you guys have experienced this. Like, in your travels overseas, have you gone to Rwanda um, or Belize when you're here or walked into the schools of a high school? where you just see the people, and it's not you loving the people, it's God, like, showing you his love for the people, and you see them with his eyes for the first time, and you're like, wow, like, he wants everyone to come to him, he wants everyone to be rescued, and I get to be a part of that, and so, um, that was, like, kind of, like, the moment for me where I was like, this, this people group as a whole, I'm in, like, I see God's heart for them, and then we also have Will's going to share a story. <laughs> I'll yeah. get it together while he's talking. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Of an individual student, because we were teachers there at a university, so we got to go really deep in relationship with a lot of um, young adults there. So he's going to share about our friend Adam. So see up in the middle. Um, okay, wait. Um, up in the middle, there's me and my, my friend, whose ch- his, uh, English name is Adam. Um, and uh, I love this guy. We, I, we met one time. He was, in, he was working on an English project. At this point, his English wasn't very good. And so he knew I was like the foreign teacher on campus. And he's like, teacher, can you come help me like with my, with my project? And I said, of course, I'll come help you. And so um, after the project, he's trying to make conversation with me. And he's still learning English at this point. And so he's just thinking of things to ask. And he's like, uh, what, what, what time do you get up in the morning? And I said, oh, I get up at 6. And he said, 6? Why would you do that? And I said, oh, I get up at 6. I read the Bible. And he was like, the Bible? Why would you get up at six to read like an old dusty book? Are you serious? He didn't say his, this was all in his own English way, but um, I'm, I'm paraphrasing. That was what was going on behind. And um, and he is like, why, why would you do that? And I said, I, I read the Bible because I believe that when you you open the Bible, we encounter Jesus. And he said, Jesus? Yeah, I've heard about him. 
something about Christmas. I don't know. Can you tell me more? I'm like, yes, I would love to tell you more. And so I think he had class to, to go to at that point. So he said, okay, we made an appointment to meet at, at like a coffee shop in China uh, near the, near the, um, near the university and talk. And I was start, started to share about how Jesus came to rescue the world. And he started crying. He's like, Will, like, I've had this sense of, he called it evil, this sense of evil on me. And I, I can't get rid of it. I can't get it off. And I said, brother, Jesus came to bear that burden for you and to pay the debt on the cross so that you could be free of that. And so we prayed right there, and he accepted Jesus. And he's walking with the Lord today. And um, again, this was like just one little, like, one person who just generally didn't know. And one, like, small step, one opportunity that the Lord gave us to share. And I'm so grateful. And he, he was too. He even told me. He's like, well, like, I'm so glad you came to China to share that with me. And I was like, I'm, I'm glad too. And so, so, um, um, so we saw God, like, moving in China through different discipleships and, su- and such. Um, but we still were discerning for a few reasons that I won't get into. But it was like, it was time, it was time to leave. But we weren't sure where we were going yet. So uh, Becky's going to talk about the next little, like, step in faith we took. All right. And this part won't make me cry. I'll just, just not touching. Um, okay. So, um, so we're, in, we're finishing up or in the middle of our second year of China. And the whole time we're kind of like, do we want to stay here another year? Do we go back home? Getting some pressure, mostly from Sarah, my sister. Like, I miss you now. I need to come back home. Um, and we get an email from a certain Alan Janney um, saying, hey, my, our church, Church of the Holy Spirit, needs a youth pastor. Um, would you guys consider applying for that? And I'm like, oh, Roanoke, my sister lives there. Like, could probably get my mom to come eventually. Like, <laughs> gather the troops sort of thing. Um, and so I was, again, made the decision in five minutes or less. And I was like, well, we're going back to Roanoke. And he's like, I don't want to go to Roanoke. <laughs> that doesn't sound, what are you talking about? So he, he uh, took a little bit longer. I'm like, well, we're Christians, so we're going to fast and pray about it. And it actually worked because, you know, the Holy Spirit did a work and we ended up coming. Um, and so that was another thing of just that simple obedience of like where, well, for me, motives were mixed. But for Will, it was a simple <laughs> obedience of like, okay, I thought I was going to be an English teacher. Now I'm saying yes to this youth pastor job at an Anglican church. What is Anglican? I don't even, I've never heard of that. Um, and so we stepped through the door again, accepted it, and then came to Roanoke. Um. Yeah, and so, so then, like, once we, once we got here, I, I thought, like, initially it was going to be, like, a one-year, one-and-a-half-year kind of gig. And the longer I was here, the more I'm like, oh, wow, they really, like, need someone who's going to be here for longer than, like, a year. And then I was like, what did I get myself into? <laughs> and, then, and then I was like, you know what, I want to be that guy who's here for a while. So I began, I was like, well, okay, maybe I don't want to be a teacher anymore. Maybe I like, I want to stay in ministry. Like, that could be really awesome. I, I, I see God working in that. So I began to pursue um, ordination. And that really was like, what is ordination? Maybe I'm going to do it. I don't know. So I go through that process. And then along the way, when I, I fully make my mind, like, okay, I'm, I'm going to let my teacher license expire, and I'm going to pr- pursue ministry. And I'm like, well, it's probably a good idea to, like, I guess go to seminary, is what you're supposed to do. Um, I really wanted some time to, like, really learn how to read the Bible really well while I was, like, young on in my ministry career. So, again, all these, like, little things of, like, okay, I'll, like, begin to pursue ordination. I'll apply to seminary. Um, and it was at my second, it was my, my, my second weekend at seminary. 
that I felt like God would put missions back in my heart again. Because it was always like in our conversation. But um, this weekend that I heard the guy leading worship at the, it was like at the, I went to like a weekend for seminary classes. The guy leading worship was from Korea. And um, seeing him and hearing him lead worship, I was like, oh, I miss being around people that are different from me. And I miss sharing people, miss sharing Jesus with people that are different than me. And so, like, the whole weekend, this is, like, just echoing in my brain, you know, in my heart. And I'm driving back from Charlotte, long drive, just thinking about, thinking about it. I get back, and I tell Becky, and, um, and I'm like, do you still think about missions, like, all the time? She's like, yeah, I, I, th- I think about it. Like, but um, there's always, like, little things that distract us. And I remember the story she told me about, um, she said she was in the grocery store, and she heard someone um, speaking Chinese. And you want to share this? This is a good one. Okay. Anyway, she heard someone speaking Chinese, and she started to cry. And she's like, oh, like, I missed that so much. And so, um, so we both began praying about missions more and more. Now, granted, like, I'm the, I'm, at, at this point, um, I'm the one who's working at the church and doing all these things more, taking classes. And Becky's doing more of the changing diapers and stuff. Of course, I changed some diapers. Okay, but <laughs> not as much as Becky. And so I'm like more thinking about like pushing forward on this. And Becky's like, yeah, I mean, that sounds pretty cool. However, like there's a lot of stuff going on here. And I understand, like, I totally get that. Um, so what's my transition then, Becky? Oh, yeah. Okay, so then um, so then we start thinking and praying about, and we're like, okay, if we're going to go, if we're going to go back overseas, let's just like begin pursuing it. Um, so we both know that we miss China a lot. Um, we miss we miss Asia. Okay, that, that, that could be something. Um, but the door in China actually is pretty closed to missionaries. Not to mention that the church there still needs it, it needs to grow more, but it's in the process of growing, even under persecution, which is what happens a lot of times, right? Um, and so we start thinking about like, okay, where where can we go where the need is the highest? So we start we went we went to um, a missionary conference, and everyone's like, where has the Lord spoken to you to go? And we're like wherever they need it, you know? <laughs> and they're like, well, what do you want to do? I'm like, whatever needs to be done, you know? And so um, I think, like, our, our, like, focus was pretty broad. But, like, people are like, what is, like, the skills you have to offer? I'm like, I'm just willing to go, you know? Um, and so um, and so we hear about this thing called the 1040 window, which is what this, this map is up here, this red part. And it's basically, it's this part of the world. Um, it's uh, 10 degrees n- north, uh, latitude and four degrees south 1040 window and it's the it's the place in the world that has the most poverty people are the most at risk and coincidentally enough the gospel hasn't reached much um in this in this place um there are more people groups in the world that have not heard the gospel anywhere else in the world um most countries in this in this little like red part are like two percent christian or less um and for good reason they're hard to get to and it's hot and it's poor and people don't want to go. <laughs> and so we're like, well, like, it's, it could be like a hard place to get to, but uh, if that's where, like, the need's the highest, let's, like, pursue that some more. Um, so we begin, like, thinking and praying, like, is, is there a place in, within the 1040 window that could, um, we could reach? Um, so we, we, uh, along the way, we found this video we're going to show you all in a second. And this video uh, explains what the 1040 window is and unreached people groups. Um, I will say that... Um, the guy is very, um, it's not that it's more important than serving the rest of the world. It's just that there's an, definitely an imbalance and a need. The way that he kind of portrays it is like, 
going here is more important than going to America, and I don't think that's true. Um, I think that the, the mission here, like you mentioned, the mission for Mormons or going to the high school is super important, but there is a need as for other parts of the world, okay? So let's see if the video works. In the beginning, God created everything. He created a world full of people to know him and to be known by him. This is the story of the Bible, God bringing people to himself. And when we read the Bible, we see how God went to great lengths to do this and how much God cares about people knowing him. You most likely already know this. And you probably live somewhere where people have a general understanding of this great love story between God and humanity. And if they don't know yet, there's probably somebody in town who can tell them. But did you also know that there are three billion people who will live and die without ever hearing this story? Not because they don't care, but because they don't have a choice. Nobody ever told them that once upon a time, God became a human just like them, so that he could teach them how to know their creator. 40% of the world doesn't know this, and they won't know this. Not unless something changes, not unless someone goes to tell them. Jesus is our wonderful example. He left his natural home to come to us tells us to do the same thing. Because we love Jesus and care about the same things that he cares about, we care about this. That the whole world would know him. That every tongue, tribe, and people group would come and be able to worship him. So the question is, are we doing this? Going out into the world to bring the gospel to every tongue, tribe, and nation? Well, kind of. While churches do send people out, almost half the world still doesn't have any access to the how is this possible? Aren't there people being sent? Well, yeah. There are about 400,000 people serving across the world today, but only 3% of them are actually going to the 40% who have never heard about Jesus. The other 97%, they're going to places that have already heard about Jesus. There's an imbalance. That imbalance leaves only one person for each 250,000 people who have never heard about Jesus. Put another way, we have a spirit-led calling to rethink our focus. When you look at how we use our resources, such as money, the picture doesn't look that much better. To be specific, Christians around the world are giving about 2% of their income to Christian causes. And less than 7% of that is going to cross-cultural workers. And of that cross-cultural giving, only one one-hundredth of that 0.1% is actually going to those working with the three billion people who don't know Jesus, have no church, or any Christian neighbors. The other 99% of all cross-cultural giving goes to the rest of the world that already has Christians, Bibles, and churches. Are you seeing the imbalance? Only 3% of our workers with only 1% of our cross-cultural finances are going to the 3 billion people who have never heard about Jesus. So we have to ask ourselves, are we okay with this? We want those 3 billion people to hear about the kingdom of God and how much God loves them. There are 17,000 ethno-linguistic groups in the world, people who share language, culture, and common history. 7,000 of them are considered unreached people groups. These are entire cultures who have never heard the amazing story of how Jesus loves them and came to save them. God has called us to pay attention to them, to love and care for the same things that he does. He put this desire on our heart to see the unreached reached with the amazing story of the love of we want to see lasting local church planning movements begin among these people groups that brings renewal and transformation among these cultures and societies. Why? Because God has moved our hearts to see the gospel 
transformed whole societies among their reach. We know this task is bigger than us. Many of the areas that are in need of the gospel are difficult and resistant places. It isn't something that can be accomplished overnight, but by the power of the Spirit. We endeavor to preach the gospel where Christ is not known so that God can be worshipped by all people. So, uh, Rip, I would love to hear your, your reactions and, and your thoughts to this. So, just call them out. What do you got? Yes. Are, are we as a church any better? Our, our, our church's um, missional giving is very strong. Even better than me, how our church is giving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, our, our, no, our, our church is very strong. And Quig, like, part of the reason we want to go there is because Quig, uh, Quig, like, really encouraged us to look in places that are unreached, you know? So I think that, yeah, pe people like Quig have more of a vision for reaching the unreached. Yep. What else? Any reactions, thoughts to this? Questions? Yes. Yes, yeah, for multiple reasons, we feel like he, he asked, are we, are we going to plant an Anglican church, basically, was the question. For multiple reasons, we feel like that's a, a strong way to plant a church, is to, to tie it into a, a, a system of accountability and more church planting structures and finances. So, yes, we're going to remain um, and in this way. we're happy to take any people with us also that want to come. So, sign up sheet over here. <laughs> yeah, Stuart, you seem interested. You, you're welcome to come with us if you want. Yeah. All right. What else? Yes, sir. Um, we are, since you've asked, we are in the process of fundraising. That's not really what this meeting is about. Um, otherwise, a prayer for sure. We want to be praying for um, our, our kids. Like, you know, it's like obviously like on our heart to make sure like they make that that transition. This is a place where they can thrive. That would be our, our prayer. Yeah. And you, Becky? Yes, we do. Yep. Yeah, so we're going to talk more about us during this in a second. So this is more about the, 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 the video in general. Uh, other questions for this? Yes, Taylor. Yeah. I know it is very visual. Like, I'm not sure how long it took them to make this, but every time I watch it, I'm like, this is well thought out. Yeah, they did a really good job. Yep. Yes, and also, dude, I love coffee so much, so it helps. Uh, what else? Yes, ma'am. How do they approach the opposite? I mean, within these places, like, there's a range of, like, like where we're going, Cambodia is very open to Christianity. Places like Thailand are very open to Christianity. And so when missionaries go places that are opposed to Christianity, you have to get in through other means, for sure. And then you have to kind of keep a low profile. But um, that's not going to be our game this go-around. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, we're going to cover that in a second. We're, we're going to do that really briefly, though, because our time is, is, is waning. But we really wanted to share about um, our general, like, call to missions. Okay, any, any more? Maybe one more. 
Okay, great. Um, all right, so um, Becky was going to share more about how we got in touch, how we chose, we zeroed in on Cambodia, and how we got in touch with uh, the pastor that was going to be born in Cambodia. Yeah, and just real quick, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the details of where we're going and stuff, but really, I want that video and, like, that image of the coffin and stuff that stick with you guys and mean something for you guys. Like, I, I don't want it just to be something where it's like, oh, like, okay, other like, those missionaries will take care of it. Like, that's like a... You know, that's a, that's a we we as Christians care about people not knowing about Jesus. So, okay, so with us, why Cambodia? Um, so yeah, Will and I were like, okay, I had never heard of the Tin Forty window. I'd also never heard of Cambodia. I didn't know what it was on a map. Um, but the Tin Forty window. Once I knew what it was, I was like, okay, do we just put up a Tin Forty window map and throw a dart and then go? Like, how does this work? And like Will said, the missionary place like. All these missionaries um, were like, <laughs> um, we feel called to Turkey. I'm like, oh, cool. How'd you, how'd you like, feel called to that? And they were like, well, we went to a dinner, and they served us turkey. And I was like, <laughs> well. <laughs> it's um, true. I was like, that hasn't happened to us. So, <laughs> um, and so, I mean, and, and yeah, there's, that's not to make they're fun of them. It was just there was a lot mission. of stories like that where it was like, okay, we're not getting like this audible voice from God or a dream or a turkey or anything like that. But we do know that we want to go. We know that there's a need. So like, how do we go about this? So what we did was, and this is another just simple step. Like, it's kind of boring that we should say it because it's not like hyper spiritual. There's no like vision from God. We put together a team of people, some of them who are in this room, um, who we knew would pray for us as we figure this out. And we're like, can you pray that God would give us a country and a timeline and make it clear? Or, can I emphasize this? Or that he would close the door <laughs> if he wants us to stay in Roanoke. Um, but he kept opening doors. So that's where we're going. Um, and so as we were praying with all these people, um, it just, it, it really was shockingly, like, practical and pragmatic and, like, you know, like, God does work in visions and dreams, but he also just works in obedience and in, like, practical, simple ways of people praying together. And we're praying, and we tell, we meet this family called the Whitakers who live in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. That's the capital there. Um, and so they were in Indiana dropping off their daughter at college. And Will and I are like, well, COVID. We can go to Indiana. We can't go to Cambodia. Let's go to Indiana and meet this family. And so we did. Um, and. <laughs> okay, so we, we click with this family right away. Um, their names are Gregory and Heidi Whitaker, and they have five daughters. Um, and they just dropped off their second oldest one in college in America. And uh, we feel like we click with them in so many ways as we like talk about ministry, missions, and life. And also like hearing his heart for the Cambodian people and his open-handedness. You know, like he wasn't very pushy of like, you guys better come. It's like, hey, if God calls you, that's cool. Like, we need people, but you tell me what God's telling you. And so, he, like, he, I think part of it was, like, part of the reason we felt so led there is because he wasn't pushy. He was like, listen, listen to the Spirit. See where he'll lead you, you know? And so um, so we were open to it. Like, at first, he was like, just, why don't you just come to Cambodia? We'll figure out, like, a, like a job for you. There's plenty of stuff to do here. And, and, th and that was like, okay, like, maybe we'll just, like, ship over there. But I think what I really needed was a more like, like I said, like oh, at the uh, earlier on, like we wanted someone to tell us like, 
there's a certain like need I want you to fulfill. And so back in like January, he emailed and said, hey, I know that I had more of an open-handed laissez-faire approach to you guys earlier, but actually our, um, our bishop told me there's a, a strong need that we need you guys to fill. And we are trying to plant this new church in this part of the city. Um, so his church currently is called Church of Christ at Peace and has um, three congregations. It started out as international, and then he met people that w- were capable of leading a Kamai service, which is the local Cambodian language. And also, in, in the process, he met people that wanted to start a, a Mandarin service, oddly enough. And so he's got these three kind of services all together in one church, you know? It'd be like uh, if our early service, if our 8.30 service was speaking, like, Spanish, and our 11 service was speaking English, or something like that. It's like all these, these languages coming together. And so he's telling us this. He says, you know, we see more and more people coming from this, this um, part of the city that has virtually no churches. And, um, and because traffic is hard in the city and stuff, like, they're just not going to go if it's not like a church, like, physically close to them. And so he said, we're trying to plant a church in this, in this unreached part of the city, and we want you to come be a part of it. And the more he described the opportunities in Phnom Penh, the more we got, like, really behind this vision. Because um, Phnom Penh is the capital of Cambodia, like he said, and it's it's not the biggest city. It's, like, pretty much the only city in Cambodia. Um, I mean, that's not exactly true. There's other smaller cities, but it's, like, nowhere close. Um, and so anybody who's anything has to come through Phnom Penh to do um, school or work or anything. So it really is this cultural center of Cambodia. So the whole nation of Cambodia is unreached, and the, we feel like the best opportunity to reach this country is through the capital city. Does that make sense? Um, and so um, these are the kinds of ministries that they do. Um, uh, up, up in the top, uh, I'll start with this guy. This is a, a, a Kamai priest. I guess they don't wear the same things there. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know what he's wearing. But um, so, um, so there's people in Cambodia who are meeting Jesus, and they want to be pastors. They're catching a vision for it. They say, I want to be a pastor. And it's like, great, you just met Jesus like three months ago, you know? And so they need like more like training and discipleship and equipping. And so um, Gregory like cast this vision of like, you know, like you, you, could, you could come and like help train Kamai priests who could go and share the gospel in the villages in their own country. And they'll do a way better job than I could um, discipling more Kamai people. You know what I mean? Um, and so that was one awesome opportunity that got me excited. Um, within the city of, of um, Phnom Penh, they have these other, other ministries that really meet the needs of the people there. One of them is the dorm ministry, you see up in the top left. Um, and so like I said, Cambodia, uh, Phnom Penh is the biggest city in Cambodia. And so any student who wants to study in a university got to go to Phnom Penh. But did you also know that Phnom Penh is one of the capitals for um, sex trafficking in the world? Um, and so it's these vulnerable young people who are coming to Phnom Penh trying to get a job. And, you know, they um, try and get jobs so they can live in an apartment. And then um, one thing leads to another, and eventually they get swept up into this, like, world of sex trafficking. Um, they get a job, and then it turns out to be not what they exactly signed up for. And so what the dorm ministry is, is the church finds people in America um, who will buy a piece of property. And then they just, they just provide it to, to college students at, like, just a fair price. It's managed by a Christian. And it's, it's, like, linked to the church. And so people can, just like many of us did, like, just go to college and pay, and pay rent and study and not worry about getting, like, some, like, bad guy coming and kidnapping you. Um, and what seems so obvious and simple to us is not very simple and available to them. And so 
uh, Gregory tells me like a lot of people meet Jesus through this because they're they're going to they're being discipled by the their landlord is a Christian and everything. Um, so the another ministry they do is a daycare ministry, and this is also related to sex trafficking and long-term, um, because parents will, they're, they're poor, and so they'll figure out, they'll figure, like, oh, I, I gotta get my, my child a job, or I have to, like, leave them at home so I can go work, and often it doesn't end well for them, because, um, there's people around that want to kidnap them, it's sad, and so, um, the daycare ministry is, is it's, it's a, through a, a organization that, that, that links up with the church, and they provide resources and youth and church program and stuff. And um, they just provide a daycare where kids can go and hear about Jesus and be in a safe place. And then when their parents would drop them off and pick them up, they also hear about Jesus too. And many people are coming to know Jesus through ministries like this. And so Gregory's casting this vision of like, hey, we're, we're going to plant the international church um, to pour into expats who are already in, or English speakers who are in Cambodia. And along the way, we're going to do these other ministries. We're going to be discipling Khmer priests. What do you think? Are you in? And we're like, okay, you know? And so that's how we got to this, like, walking through this, like, little step. But I hope you guys saw that it was, like, little steps way before that, you know? And so that's the point. It's not like, look at the McLaughlin's going to Cambodia. But the point is, like, what are the little doors that God's opening for you? What are, like, the little, like, steps that God could take for you to maybe go overseas or support someone who's overseas or um, to share Jesus in your neighborhood, in our city, with, like, the little steps that we just take action in faith and say, okay, God, what now, you know? Um, so uh, the last thing is that, um, Becky, you wanted to share this text that we got from some friends of ours um, this past week. Do you guys remember the Slagles, Zach and Noel? Zach shared here this past summer. It was on July 4th, so no one was here, but it was awesome. Um, uh, uh, and uh, so this is this family that, that we've gotten to know. They used to live in Cambodia, and now they live in Albania as missionaries. Um, and our church supports them. And uh, so we've become friends with them. And Noel and Becky were talking this past week, and Noel sent Becky this, this message. So go ahead. This is in response to me kind of expressing, we had Zoomed with them, expressing some doubts of like, hey, I've got three little kids. We have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a four-month-old. So it's like, we've got these little kids. Like, tell me, tell me it's worth it. Tell me it's, like, safe. Tell me, you know, like, I was, I was basically asking her for reassurance. Um, and I think her words, this is the last thing we'll do, and I'll pray for us. Um, but I think her words are just so relevant to all of us and not just to us and our story in Cambodia. So, um, good morning, Becky. I was praying for you this morning. We have had a tough transition back to Albania and have struggled with doubts about our presence here. Part of me wanted to tell you to run far away from this life last night when we talked. When you said, I feel like this is going to be a lot of what I'm already doing, but harder. That resonated with me, and you're absolutely right. It is harder. As I prayed for you and read my devotion this morning, I was reminded that it is so much more than that, though. The hard with Jesus is where transformation and true life is birthed. In Mark chapter 1, when Jesus called Peter, Andrew, James, and John to leave their nets and follow him, all but one would be martyred. I think it is so good to count the cost and enter into this life with your eyes wide open, but it is totally worth it for the walk with Jesus, just to be with him and follow him and teach our kids to step out in faith and follow him, whatever the cost. It is so worth it. In his book, The Cost of Discipleship, Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. 
there will be death, but there is so much life. When I am with the Lord and I listen to the depths of my heart, not the shallows, I want to do whatever he asks me to do and go wherever he wants me to go. If I spend too much time focused on the shallows, I start to sink under the weight of all the what-ifs. You're asking all the right questions. Let your heart meet with God in the depths. Envelop yourself in his word. Let his voice drown out all anxieties and see with your spiritual eyes how he's leading you. I'll leave you with this encouraging word from Jesus. No one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Oh, bless my friend. Um, here this morning. Um, Holy Spirit, would you just move through this room? Would you um, move through these people? I pray that we would all have postures just of simple obedience, um, that we would be open-handed to you and what you would have for us, God. Um, We want to know you deeper. We don't want to get stuck in the shallows. We don't want to um, just kill time here on earth. Um, We want to go into the depths with you. Um, Would you call each of these people with their own specific social groups and circles and jobs and gifts and skills, and would you send them out where you would have them go, God? Bring us all into the depths. Um, We love you, and we want to love you more and know you more. Um, Please send us and teach us from us. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.